Welcome to the Dixie Pulse Podcast. I'm Travis. I'm Neil. And Lucas's microphone cut out again. I think he dropped off the He's, he's racing motor scooters. <laughs> Either that or he's a champion farter. <laughs> You gotta keep this in. You gotta keep this in. <laughs> Welcome to the Dixie Polis Podcast. My name is Lucas. This is Neil. And I'm Travis. We're Southern men, de reconstructing the South. So with this episode, I've I've I had the idea a couple weeks back, actually this week, well yeah, a couple weeks back, to um, have a short, succinct podcast we could hand off to any new migrants that happen to come down and move into paradise, because there's a lot of them and we can't stop them from coming. So I sent out a few messages to some groups that I'm in. I put it, posted it on the tweeters, and. Um, Wanted to get some other Southerners' reactions and what they would like to tell to the migrants moving into their area. So, I'm hoping this could be a good resource. Maybe something good that if you share our podcast with them, they might can listen to some more of us and actually become better human beings than they left their Yankee State with. Um, I wanna, I'd like to start off by prefacing this to the Southerners first. And that is... You can't stop these people from coming down here, so you better just make the best of it. Okay, um, a lot of these people are moderately to the right. They're not going to be the same style as conservative as we are, but I, I think after you know some proper training and discipline, <clears throat> we might can actually um, improve these people's culture. Agreed. Yeah, they get too bad. You just come out there with the bull whip, start hitting them with it. You know what I mean? <laughs> well well actually one guy did tell me all right so hold on let me oh crap i didn't i already closed it one moment all right so one, one guy actually did tell me he says you need to tell southerners and i quote uh alligators do not eat dead bodies but pigs do you have to shave the body and dispose of the hair because a pig cannot digest the hair Alligators will ignore a dead body, but if you take the body to the edge of death, it'll do the rest. Best to bleed out a man, then toss him in with the gators. Bleed him as close to the gators as possible, as not to leave any trace of blood in your car. And to ensure that if he's still squirming around enough for the gators to be attracted with him. Y'all have a nice day. You gotta say that serious and without emotion, and just a deadpan expression to your new Yankee neighbors. <laughs> <laughs> Oh my goodness! I, I I don't necessarily recommend that foolhardy, but you know, <laughs> he he does make a point. You know, yeah that uh that, that reminds me uh you know this 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 boy come up take my sister out on a date and my dad just puts his hands on his shoulder and says, "You see this forest out back? You could die and get lost back in there, and nobody would find you for months." <laughs> 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 you know, I want I want my daughter back by ten. You know what I mean? 
nine o'clock <laughs> on the money. He was an hour early. <laughs> but 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 oh, no, s- seriously though, welcome to Dixie. And for all you newbies coming down here, you have um, you have lowered the average IQ of of both areas where you left and where you're coming to. So that's both a compliment <laughs> and an insult. <laughs> All the midwits are moving to the south. Yeah. Hey, but the the midwits are still more intelligent than the ones that are staying in those festering crap holes. And we're not saying that you're the cause of that festering crap hole. We're just saying that you're leaving a festering crap hole. So, at at the very least, you didn't fight it that hard. Yeah, I mean, and we don't want this beautiful piece of paradise to be turned into a festering crap hole. We ha- Okay, so this is to preface our bigger discussion. We as Southern people have had to fight for an identity throughout all of Reconstruction. You know, right after the War of Northern Aggression, the Yankees came down here, the carpetbaggers that we called them, came down here and basically just rampaged, ransacked, and raped all of the South. And um, they installed their, their own form of governments, um, mostly Republicans that um, still hang on in some places to this day until well, the, the Dixiecrats came. I was going to say, you could even, you could take this back even before the Revolutionary War. You know, the Southerners, we were living peaceably down here for the most part until, uh, you know, I'll, I'll drop a little North Carolina history. Uh, the Regulator Movement, I don't know if uh, our listeners are familiar with it, but I'll, I'll, uh, I'll keep it brief. You know, there was a point in time just prior to the revolution when uh, a bunch of, uh, I guess we'd call them carpetbaggers, no less. You know, they come from New England and they come from Britain. And, uh, you know, people had been living here for over a century already. Uh, Farming and they had their small towns, they had their small communities. But then you had all these wealthy people coming from the north, coming from across the pond, buying up property. and install and, and since this was a colony, right? It wasn't like you had to be a citizen in North Carolina or Carolina at the time. You didn't have to be a citizen there for a certain amount of time to be able to run for political office. No, what they were doing is they were overrunning these towns and then installing their friends and family into positions of power and then jacking up the taxes to try to push out all the people that had been living there historically for over a century. And uh, the corruption got so bad that uh, guess who fought back? It wasn't the Presbyterians. It was the Baptists. Well, anyway. we are an honorary bunch anyways. <laughs> well, well, that's yeah, I, encourage, I, I encourage our, our listeners to look up the regulator movement in North Carolina. There's, there's a lot of fascinating history there. Uh, Wikipedia is probably not the best resource because it's pretty sparse. But uh, North Carolinapedia or ncpedia.com, they have a little bit more content on it. But uh, the main players in this in this movement were Baptists, for sure, for sure. Well, that kind of goes back to um, one of the 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 most the, the founding tenets of the South was we were a, we were the first frontier before there was the the westward expansion. The South was a frontier area. Uh, so we take someone like Nathan Bedford Forrest, who was a frontiersman. You know, when he was a teenager, his mama got attacked by a panther. And whenever she made it to the house without, you know, after getting clawed up by a panther or a cougar, one of the two, 
he went and uh, released his hunting dogs and tracked that mother flipper down and shot it. Um, now that's just that's just what you did in the South, and, and for the most part, even though we've industrialized, we've gotten a lot bigger, we still hold on to a lot of this frontier type mentality where we're fairly individualistic. You know, we've all got our small little homesteads down here, like in my county, for instance, unless you're in one of those um, stack and pack subdivisions, you know, you typically have an acre to four acres and you just live in your sol you know, you're solitary by yourself and you have friends that are all across this, you know, a particular area, but you still live very frontiers like in um in that you don't rely on a lot of outside inputs for what you want. I mean, that's both good and bad. I mean, because on one hand, that does it promote a form of individualism where you don't really need a community, but we still have a form of a community of which we would like to keep. <clears throat> I think I think even further than that, it's um, you know, it's a given a proper distance between you and your neighbors a good thing. Hmm. Um, and especially people from the suburban and the urban areas don't really get that. And when you have more of the the urbanites and the suburbanites moving down south, they want more of what they came from. Mm -hmm. And you don't really realize the kind of damage that you're doing, um, not just socially, but, um, you know, if you understood the amount of uh, pollution, like water table pollution, the a average subdivision does – uh, oh, yeah. it's it's insane and when you when you're when you're spread out you minimize that and that was you don't want to get well, too cramped together and many of the people who were you know the people who established the south i mean they recognize this kind of stuff they wanted distance because it it not only helps build a healthy give and take you know this is my domain but it's also healthier for you well two two things on that pollution front uh so at the bottom at the mouth of the um of the mississippi river there is a dead zone an algae bloom the size of new jersey down there and it's not in you know the industrial the industrial uh sector of the economy causing that that type of pollution what it is is it's lawns um fertilizers and pesticides that have washed away from all these suburban farms then wash down into like the gutter systems and then they feed into the Mississippi River and it all accumulates there and then you create a huge dead zone where nothing can live fish can't live there the only thing that's in there is just a gigantic algae bloom and it's very highly acidic and this does not come from the average like I don't fertilize my my lawn unless we count you know the chicken scratching it up and leaving little deposits behind. That's the only fertilizer <laughs> I use. Well, and my field lines, but but I'm not using a whole lot of chemical fertilizers. I don't know anybody unless they live in a subdivision that uses chemical fertilizers. But you can tell. Go ahead. I'll go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. You can tell when they use a lot of chemical fertilizers and it rains. Uh, so in a previous job, I was in and out of these subdivisions a lot. And after it rains, those chemical fertilizers actually kills all the earthworms under your soil. And you would just see them scattered throughout on, on driveways and the roads and in the little drainage gutters. And um, it's actually sad to see because, you know, you're 
killing all this organic life that that is up under your soil that you just don't think about because oh i have a pretty lawn i was gonna say uh <laughs> let's talk about that for a second the uh <laughs> the um I don't even want to, I don't even know what to call it. The uh, I'll take North Carolina, for instance. That's that's where I'm at. Around here, it's it's becoming pretty. Uh, I see it pretty often now, where you'd be driving down the road out in the country, and then boom, big ugly subdivision with a bunch of cookie cutter homes, overpriced garbage because of inflation, right across the street from beautiful farmland. Mm-hmm. Now let's talk about that water table issue. You know those farms are in trouble when when that when those people move in. But what are, what what also pisses me off about this situation though is that the reason these developments pop up it isn't because you know that that land is just sitting there and someone just comes and buys it up from the government. No, these are people who've lived here for several generations who didn't instill in their children how to take pride in their heritage and to take pride in their own posterity. So what do they do? They see dollar signs. They don't know how to take care of the land because they went to public school their entire life. So they, they look down on farmers, even though their ancestors are all farmers. So they look down on farmers They look down on working with your hands and they see easy money. So what do they do? They sell their hundred acre lot, <laughs> their hundred acres to some dumb developer, some faceless developer from up North. And what happens? They build these ugly subdivisions. That's happening all around me in North Carolina, and oh. it's it's sad. It's sad to see. I hate it. It's it's because it's ugly. I mean, it is it is just heart wrenching too. It's it's despicable. I, I made a meme not too long ago, and it was a picture of a subdivision, and it says, "You will live in pods." And under it, it had a uh, picture of a Yankee barbecue, some burnt hot dogs, and it says, "You will eat live in pods and eat barbecue." And I thought that was just the epitome of Yankee culture. But but you're you're totally correct there. The, these these kids that are selling off their the family land, they were raised in public school systems, and who taught them? Yankees. Okay, so, so I think a good, I think a good title for this, if we were to encapsulate the thing that we're really talking about here, it's the glorification of the suburban lawn, where they just want this flat field of grass out in front of their house and maybe put a few plants in the middle of it. And that's their goal. They don't have any production value in the land aside from that. Just to have a quote unquote, well-trimmed lawn. And so a lot of these lands, you know, they're, they're hilly or they've got different, uh, different kinds of berries or fruits or whatever else is in there. They don't look to see what the land's actually producing and how the land's being productive. They just want the land to be this flat piece of grass, and that's it. And so all of their fertilizers and uh, uh, you know the, the the way that they treat the land, it's all engineered around killing all the quote unquote weeds, um, which are ended up just being you know, other plants besides the grass they want to grow. Yeah, taking out, you know, beautiful blackberry bushes. I mean, yeah, they, they, they have thorns and they hurt, but they produce some amazing blackberries. Or um, the one I like to complain about the most is I see these, you know, 60 to 80-year-old pecan orchards, and they're just mowing them down to, to put in these gay cookie-cutter McMansions. Um, 
and and that that's not southern culture like if you're moving to the south you should partake of our culture we have a distinct culture from anywhere else in america okay and um you're moving here for a reason right you're moving here because you don't like what you saw in your state but you're going to live the same way that you lived like in your state that that doesn't make any sense it's psychotic it it is i mean you know the the famous quote of uh insanity is doing the same thing twice and expecting different results you're if you vote the same way that you did in your in your last you know your last state then you know why why should we why should you expect a different result um you might be a conservative but you're not a southern conservative southern conservative southern conservatism has a far deeper meaning than what we see on mainstream media it's not typical gop talking points it is right. we have we want to preserve our tradition no we're not going to we're not going to stay and live in the past but at the same time we're we're going forward and we're keeping our heritage you know like i still have traditions that i do there's still things about me and my family that that was started before this was even a state and we were down here settling alabama all right mm-hmm. and and i i can't give that up just because my my family built this this great state does not mean that you can come in here and just and just rape the fruits of our labor. Um, that's that's disrespectful for one. Uh, you're coming into someone else's home and then wanting them to change when you couldn't manage your own household where you came from. You know. Oh, but we can complain. Oh, the liberals took it over. The liberals took it over. Well, you probably effing let them. Let's just be honest. Um, yeah. I, I don't yeah. want to sound crass and I don't want to sound rude to anyone, but the fact of the matter is. You left someplace because you didn't like the policies they enacted, but how much of those policies did you partake in? Uh, so, for one example, was was a few years back the um, uh, I, without getting too um, too close to home here, we had some taxes on the ballot, and they tried to push through several taxes on top of some reoccurring taxes that was there. And um, we, the great people of of Alabama, said, "No, you're not flipping doing it, because you've 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 wasted what we've already given you, and you're not going to pull this this crying tear bullcrap, like you know, oh, it's for the children type thing. We're not going to fall for that. But a northerner might look at that and say, oh, well, it's for the children. It's for the public schools. Well, we don't give a flip, you know." We, we we don't need the public schools, bar none. The South is you know, has a great tradition of home learning. Uh it wasn't until, you know, middle of uh, the last century where the majority of our children went to public school. We can always take the mantle up and educate them again, which I think we should, by the way. Oh yeah. Well, if you want to see the fruits of that, just look at Virginia. You know, we mentioned this uh last podcast, but you know, the the um you know they they weren't they weren't hand, handing out pedophile books in the school districts in Virginia overnight. That was something that's been decades in the making. They've had people getting into higher positions in the in the school districts. They've had them taken over, you know, entire school boards. I mean it, it's it's been 
decades, literally in the making, for them taking over those areas. And then once they did, I mean, the t the the parents weren't thinking, and they weren't tracking what the kids were dealing with in schools. And what ends up happening is, next thing you know, your your kids coming home with a a pedophile book, straight up. Yeah. Um. Now you know, we can all talk about, you know, because the 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 first bit of pushback I always get is the, the slippery slope fallacy, right? Well. You know, that that's a fallacy. It's slippery slope. Well, if anything in the last two years has shown you that there is such thing as a slippery slope and uh, we went off that slope and we're in we're in free fall right now. Uh, if, if if you don't see that right now, then you're you're not looking. And it, just that's just is what it is. You're not looking. Yeah, we can point to the gay marriage debate. Oh, well. There's there's nothing going to come after the gay marriage debate. You know, once once we legalize marriage, that's where it's going to end. And now we're normalizing pedophiles. Nah, yeah. bro. Uh, uh, unironically, yeah. Uh, unironically, yes. I mean, the mainstream media is either you know involved in it or they're pushing for it hard. Um, and so the slippery slope is the slippery slope has been there since since it's the inception of of liberalism, really. And um, they've just been able to manage to hold frame so that we can ignore that slippery slope. But it's there. It's definitely there. Um, but while we're on the topic of kids, what, 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 you know, kids learning, all that good stuff, um, there's two points that I want to hit on. And the first one is, is our kids were, should be raised to have manners. I mean, I know it's less and less now, but I still say yes, sir, or no, ma'am. And all Southerners listening out there, that's actually a good habit that we need to um, uh, pick back up, even if you're older. You know, I'm in my 30s, and I'm, you know, I left it for a little while, but I'm saying maybe I should start saying yes, ma'am, and no, sir, far more often, even to people that are younger than me. Um, that, you know, the Southern hospitality, Southern manners used to be a mark of the Southern gentleman, of the Southern class of people. And um, I think we've left that, and we left that part of our identity behind. But we need to reclaim that identity and bring it forward with us. Well, generally speaking, when we're talking about the South, um, the South's traditionally been people of the earth, people of the dirt, people of the land. Um, it's always been the culture of the South has always had this bent towards. Um, sort of an attack on pretension um it's good to be educated it's good to be knowledgeable it's good to be wise but it's not good to think of yourself as better than other people even if you hold a different station or even a quote-unquote higher station than other people um you know you you listen to uh, a lot of the, the southerns even when they talked about the slaves you know those were those were other human beings who were just in a different position in life and that's where God had them in that moment. And it's not as if they're not human beings. It's as if they're human beings who are in a particular station that God has them in. <clears throat> so, um, you know, that kind of does run a little bit counter to the um, the Celtic aspects of Southern culture where, you know, honor is a big deal. And especially in the more rambunctious areas of the South, and Thomas Sowell talks about this quite extensively about 
um, you know, getting angry just because somebody calls you a name you don't like or, uh, you know, having something as simple as a little bit of dirt splashed on your pant leg could be something worthy of a fight. Um, and that's stuff that we in the South, um, we've had tempered for a while. But, you know, one of the core elements of the South is this attack on pretension. You're not better than anybody else. You're not somebody special. And you don't have the right to step up in somebody's home and tell them how to run the show. It's not your job. Uh, when you come into an area, you need to be humble and realize your own inability to know what's going on and to learn. That, that actually brings me to that second point that I, I was talking about when, you know, mentioning children, and that is, uh, to preface this, this, this happened uh, a um, couple days ago. I was in one of my chat groups, and I looked down, and somebody was mad because of the way somebody in his family, but not his kids, was raising their kids. So he was mad because someone was raising their kids a different way. That That's, that's something that's just absolutely unheard of in the South. Um, I mean, sure, you know, Granny might be talking about about how the her daughter-in-law might be you're gonna spoil them youngies or something like that. But for a man, <laughs> we we've never, you know, judged another person based on how they rule their kids unless they're just absolute hellions. But we're still not gonna tell them how to raise their kids, right? We're not gonna get mad at the at the parent that's over there whooping the heck out of their child. For uh, for spitting on a sister type thing, you know what I'm saying? Um, <laughs> and that that's something that's fairly serious. Like if you get a bunch of Northerners coming down here, they might try to tell you how to raise your kid. I mean, they already are, but in in a more intimate way. Like if they see you, you know, you know, fussing at them in in Walmart or something like that. You shouldn't be at Walmart anyways. You should be at your local grocer. But you know, they're crying in the in the in the aisle. The Northern Northerner might go over there and say, hey, you should just give that kid what they want. And one, that's rude. And two, who the heck are you to tell somebody how to raise their kid? Well, I mean, we've always understood that sometimes kids just need a good old ass whooping. You know what I mean? Oh, 100%. And, uh, you know, it's been... This was one of the big pushbacks <clears throat> that I had, um, you know, while I was libertarian. Because you got all these guys who were into the peaceful parent and nonsense. And, um, you know, it's all about, uh, you know, I don't remember what they called it, but it's somehow redirecting your child. You know, sometimes your child just being a stubborn little little human being, and you got to correct that with a little pain on the rear end. You know what I mean? And when when you get the Karens in the in, in the supermarket trying to tell you how you're doing it wrong, um. You know, my, my dad had that a few times, and he says, you want to raise them? And they instantly cower and back away because, you know, they ain't got any kids most of the time. So they don't know what they're talking about anyways. Um, but number two, they recognize they don't have any responsibility, and they're just, you know, they're being a backseat driver, let's say. Um, so, yeah, I mean, you, you, you've got to you've got to recognize the nature of the child and recognize what your child needs. There's an element of um, understanding you have to have with that child, but that includes the understanding of when he just needs his ass whooped. Kind of uh, reminds me of um, so I've got several nieces and nephews, no kids yet, but uh, uh, one of one of my nieces, you could just like look at it wrong. 
when when she was a lot younger and and she would just start bawling and she got the picture she was disciplined at that point right just just that mean look and then another one you could whoop the fire out of that kid and he would just turn around and grin at you <laughs> so 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 you know what that's kind of a rabbit trail but at the same time you know um just shows that the different children need different levels of discipline and there's nothing wrong with uh with, with uh, getting the switch out and switching them. Hey, there's no, nothing my, wrong with making them go pick their own switch either. Uh, my my oldest kind of does that. He, you know, you could talk to him and express why you're disappointed in what he did, and he would change just because he doesn't want to disappoint you. Uh, then number three, I mean, it, it wouldn't matter if the house was on fire. He wouldn't care. He wants that thing that he wants, and he's going to pitch a fit to get it. <laughs> And you and you have to outlast him. It's just just part of who he is. So you have to recognize the child for what he is, the kind of personality he has, um, the kind of stubborn nature or lack thereof that he has, and you know, deal with it accordingly. The other feedback that we got from the question was um, was you know learn Southern hospitality and go to church, right? We're we're not saying to go to church for the sake of going to church. But Christianity is a big part of Southern culture, and um, you you best not fool around with that. You know, speaking to the to the uh, ones that moved down here, just don't do it. Like we we have a we have a we still have a very strong Southern culture. You, you know, Christian culture, even though um, there, there's less and less of us going to church. Um, I use us in the 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 sense of us Southerners, not us as on the podcast. Um, but yeah, you you should you should definitely try to find a church and find a community and become a Christian because well you know one you you should just become a Christian to save your soul Repent from eternal to save your soul from eternal damnation. Okay, um, but uh, is there anything y'all wanted to add to that point? Yeah, just repent and believe. I mean, don't 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 become a Christian because you want to do it culturally. Become a Christian. Because you wanna you wanna have faith in Jesus Christ and learn how to live properly and uh, live according to the Word of God. I'm tempted to to kind of flip this convo on its head, uh, not in a not in a, a really bad way, but I'm thinking about like good elements who want to move here, like my fellow southern Southerners. I feel like we should welcome them with open arms, but we should also you know fully disclose. Uh, our expectations of them to assimilate and assimilate rightly. Uh, my my late my uh, my friend, my best friend, the late George. Uh, I won't say his last name, but me and him, you know, became best friends out of Bible school. We were both in California. He was from California, and he moved to Nashville, Tennessee. <clears throat> I, I think because of like the best oncologist in the country uh, resides there. I don't know that he's a Southerner uh, per se, but. Uh, when when George moved out here, you know, we had that conversation about like, you know, when you move to the South, uh, there are it's been, there's going to be a cultural shock, culture shock, you know, just like I had a culture shock when I lived in California, but it wasn't really that bad because California is kind of a melting pot, and because it's a melting pot, everybody's so atomistic, and so if you're white and from the South, no one really cares about you anyway. So, but uh, when you come here, you know, they have expectations. Uh, we have expectations. And uh, I, I do want if you if you're going to uproot, if you just can't take it anymore uh, where you're at, 
then I welcome you with open arms. We welcome you with open arms. Just you need to understand what we're talking about here. There are expectations. We expect you to get involved in church. Uh, we expect you to understand uh, what it truly means to be Southerner, uh, be a Southerner. Um, we also want you to kind of become familiar <laughs> with our history from our perspective. Don't don't bring don't bring the false notions with you that you receive from from public school or from your college professors or whatever. Because I'm gonna get, I'm gonna go ahead and tell you uh, we have enough of that garbage going on in our own public schools, and it's a fight uh, just to teach the up and coming generation not to hate themselves. And so when you bring that with you, you're essentially artificially reinforcing uh, these false notions. That being said, I want my fellow Southerners to uh, to not be, I hate this term because the left use it, they abuse it so much. I don't want you, I don't want us to be xenophobic. Uh, in a sense, uh, we should, we should maintain what Roger Scruton called uh, oikophilia, our love for our home, our love for our place. But we should also have some sense of xenophilia for other Christians and other uh, conservative minded people moving here. Um, conservative is such a, uh, like Travis said earlier, it, Southern conservatism is different from Northern conservatism or, or uh, West Coast conservatism. Uh, it is very, it is not individualistic. It is not libertarian. I feel like conservatism outside of this, outside of the South, and even in the South, it's starting to it's starting to become this way, and I hate it because it's not it's not conservative. Like in North Carolina, we have what's called the John Locke Society. They uh, they're behind the major publication, the Carolina Journal, and they promote classical liberalism, and they and, it, and they pass it off as conservative. And uh, they're really big in the North Carolina GOP. And North Carolina Republicans, they they buy into it hook, line, and sinker. Uh, but then what they don't understand is they're <clears throat> they're part of that. Uh, what's that called? What's that window? <laughs> what do we call it? The the window shift. Overton uh, window. Yeah, the Overton window. They, they're, 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 just because you're clinging to the far right side of the Overton window doesn't mean you're to the right. You're just to the right of the window shift. That's what classical liberals are. That's what modern conservatism is. It's what Michael Malice, as much as I dislike the guy, it's true what he says. All conservatism is, at least not Southern conservatism, is liberalism or progressivism driving the speed limit. Uh, and it's embarrassing because you, you, like, I try to talk to other Southern conservatives about, hey, what do you think about Richard Weaver? They're like, who? What do you think about R.L. Dabney? Who? What do, you, what do you think about James Montgomery Boyce? Who? They, they're clueless. They have, and these are Southerners. They're, they're so totally clueless. You ask them what they think about Sean Hannity, and they'll give you a 30-minute conversation about how much they love that guy. I love old Sean Hannity, man. Sean Hannity hates Southerners. I don't, I don't care how much you watch Fox News. The only, person, the only person worth watching on Fox News is Tucker Carlson. And sometimes I don't, I don't even really like like watching them that much. If you're gonna watch, if you're gonna watch the news, watch Tucker Carlson. Turn off the other other garbage. You're just gonna. Well, I'm just gonna drive my blood pressure up watching the nonsense. Um, well, well, Dabney but, had a great quote about <clears throat> conservatism, and um, I don't have it pulled up in front of me, but essentially what it is is 
Yankee conservatism is is just you know picking up what what the what the liberals set down about ten years ago. Uh, but the problem is, is it's not ten years ago now. It's it's literally two years ago. You know. I mean, tr- let's look at look at Trump is a case in point. Yeah. There's nothing conservative. What is conservative about Trump? Nothing. My job. Nothing. My jobs. He he is he he epitomizes everything I just said. Um, also. There's a great quote, and I'm, I'm trying to look it up right now on my Facebook that I, I posted the other day. Okay, so you guys know who George Grant is. Now, I'm not talking about the theonomist that's really big in Doug Wilson circles, but George Grant, the, the conservative philosopher in Canada back in the day. He wrote a book called Lament for a Nation, the Defeat of Canadian Nationalism. This little quote right here, I actually read this quote in a book by uh, Paul Gottfried. The, I can't remember what it's called. Uh, it was it's like a compilation of different writings from conservative authors. And one of the authors mentions this quote. And so I ended up buying the book and it's pretty good so far. But this quote right here, I, I thought it was spot on. He says, the Americans who call themselves conservatives have the right to the title only in a particular sense. They stand for the freedom of the individual to use his property as he wishes and for a limited government, which must keep out the marketplace, keep out of the marketplace. Sorry. Their concentration on freedom from governmental interference has more to do with 19th century liberalism than with traditional conservatism, which asserts the right of the community to restrain freedom in the name of the common good. Dot, 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 dot. The founders of the United States took their thoughts from the 18th century enlightenment. Their rallying cry was freedom. There was no place in their cry for the organic conservatism that predated, predated the age of progress. Indeed, the United States is the only society on earth and I hate this part, is the only society on earth that has no traditions from before the age of progress. Their right wing and left wing are just different species of liberalism. Now, in the context of modern conservatism and post-bellum society, he is spot on. Antebellum society in the South, I think that last sentence is, or the last two sentences is wrong, are wrong. Uh, we do have a tradition down here, and we've been trying to keep it alive since before our founding, and this is what I was saying, I was going back to the regulator movement earlier and talking about that. Like, we we love farms, we love the countryside. We're true conservationists down here. We're not environmentalists. We're conservationists. We love gaming, or not video gaming, but <laughs> hunting and fishing. Uh, Lucas might differ with me on that one. <laughs> I'll take both. My video. <laughs> but well, I mean, uh, but we we love we love the countryside. We love small towns, strong towns. I give them a little plug. That's a decent publication. But we don't we don't like the the urban sprawl. We don't like the suburban sprawl, which is hideous and, and mars our countryside. And we don't like people living on top of each other and being in each other's business. But like like Lucas was talking about a minute ago with uh, the cracker culture that Thomas uh, Soul talks about. You know, yeah, we have a bad rap about, you know, being easily offended by stupid things, but that's not all the South. That That, that is a certain contingent, particularly the Scotch-Irish. Uh, my family is full of those people. But for the most part, Southerners are laid back. Uh, we're slow in our draw sometimes. You know, we like to sit on our porch, front porch, back porch. You know, we like to sit on the sit on the porch and smoke cigarettes, smoke pipes, smoke cigars, and just talk with our friends, talk with our family. 
Uh, and that's for a lot of these people that move down here, that's unheard of. They'd rather be sitting inside in their air conditioning in their man caves that are full of uh, puerile memor- sports memorabilia. You won't find a library in their homes. You won't find uh, very many Bibles, if any. Uh, so if you're conservative and you move down here, get interested in our culture and don't don't look at the caricature that you see on TV of what we are and think that's what we are because we're not. Well, I want to I want to plug into, you know, some of the some of the themes of what you were just saying, um, especially at the antebellum South uh, got much of its cultures, its traditions and its ideas from the English. Mm-hmm. Um Whereas, you know, Dabney talks about this, Weaver talks about this. Um, some of the distinctions between the North and the South was that the North, despite, um, frankly, ironically, in spite of their love for the Germans as opposed to the French, the, the North bought more into the Jacobin ideas, the, the Jacobin understanding of equality, the will. Um, they essentially had a Marxist anthropology, um, and the South, despite having a love for, for the French, loved or, or, or had the traditions that came from the English, which the English got those traditions from a combination of the Germans and the Romans. And uh, there are many times, even today, in certain cases, where case law reaches all the way back to Roman Empire mm-hmm. for tradition. You know, that this was the legal system that the English brought into the Americas, that the South, that was just a part of it. The, the, the judicial system was just a part of that tradition. Um, the hierarchies that the South had, uh, the, the, the antebellum hierarchies that were destroyed after these different waves of, of reconstruction, um, they were a throwback to the English hierarchies that existed. Now, they had their own particular flavor, and the South was much more of the rugged individualist instead of building, um, you know, the the familial uh, uh, cabals, let's say. Um, but it still maintained that tradition. And what the South actually allowed uh, that was harder to do in the North just simply because of the way that they set up their laws, the South allowed for vertical mobility in the hierarchy much more mm-hmm. than the North was able to or even or even desired, frankly. Um, and this, this is kind of one of those things that I, I, was, I was hinting at earlier where the South really doesn't like pretentious people in, just in general. Uh, someone who's prone to to being pretentious, usually Southerns will go out of their way to try to embarrass them somehow. Um, and and this is the kind of like the the the, the social cup check, if you will, um, to keep this guy from thinking he's he's bigger than what he really is. To, so so that reminds me of a joke. I, I've got two points that I want to make, but the first one's a joke. Um, so a, uh, university of Mississippi, uh, grad student, uh, left Mississippi and went to Harvard to, uh, finish his graduate work. He comes to a, um, a gentleman on, on the Harvard campus and he says, Hey, where's the library at? 
And the guy in his tweed jacket looks down and says, Sir, hit Harvard. We do not end our sentences in a preposition. So the old boy from Mississippi says, Okay, well, where's the library at, asshole? (laughs) (laughs) That sounds about right. (laughs) But but that's just an example of of making these pretentious little tweeds, um, you know, how how we can just make fun of them. But but I want to touch back on something that you just said. We We are probably, us in the South are probably more English than the people in England are today. And what do I mean by that? We still have class distinctions. It's not as it's not as um, in your face as it was, uh, at, you know, at, before the war, but it's still there. For for instance, there's there's still a class, and and it's not the planter class and the yeoman class anymore. It's the uh, the good old boys that that are sitting in uh, uh, that they're the ones that own businesses. They wear afcos, and you know you can you you know them when you see them, right? And then there's the blue collar guys. There, there's still this class distinction. We're friendly enough to one another. You know, we can go and we. I'm not going to necessarily say that we can hang out per se, but um, there's no ill will towards. We we know our stations down here. Uh, the South is one of the last places to actually understand whether or not they articulate the idea, but we we understand the fact that God has placed us in a station. And that is where we're at. You know, I'm a blue-collar guy. I'm okay being a blue-collar guy. Um, This other guy's within the good old boys club. That's fine. Each has a role to play to make society better. We still understand hierarchies, even though it is, you know, slowly being, you know, dissolved at this point in time. Women should vote. (laughs) (laughs) Universal suffrage is pretty dumb. Which, that's another thing. That's another thing. And I heard this theory, and I can't, off the top of my head, I can't, I can't cite the source. Uh, I don't know. But <clears throat> the um, one of the biggest reasons that, that I've heard that universal suffrage was passed is it was, uh, is what preceded it that was the major issue. It's not that women should vote. It's the, it's what happened prior that every man should be able to vote. Or used to be every landowner could vote, right? It was only the landowners who could vote. Well, in the South, and that was almost everybody, even your small subsistence farmers, they had land. Up North, they have no land. You were, everybody was leasing and subleasing and renting, living on top of each other, just like they are now. Could you imagine what, what voting would look like in America uh, if, that would, if it would have stayed that way, if it was just the landowners who could vote? It would be far more conservative. It would be. Indeed, it would be. Because guess what? Landowners have to have a productive land. On the for real. Like, if if you don't, if your land's not productive, well, then it's useless. That's why some of these these young punks end up, you know, selling their land uh, after they inherit it from Grammy and Grampy. uh, Because they're stupid. But in the north, man, they didn't. They didn't have only people who had productive land in the north were business moguls, uh, and you know, part of that capitalist nobility that existed up there uh, at the time. But down here, everybody—not everybody, but a large portion of people—had land, and it became even more of a threat when uh, 
after emancipation because you had you had black folks buying up land and they could vote now and they could they had more voting rights than uh uh a lot of a lot of northerners uh, i don't i don't know exactly when so i might be getting that wrong i don't know exactly when every man got the right to vote but i do know that way back when it was only landowners and i wish it would have stayed that way i probably sound like an idiot at this point because I'm, I'm i'm not real uh, informed on that. I just know that's, well, I know that, that's what it was before <laughs> that those. Okay. So two things that could actually be linked to the, uh, to the downfall of our democratic Republic was suffer, you know, mass suffrage. Um, so universal suffrage, even, even for non-land honing white people. Um, and also the election of state senators rather than appointed senators. Those are the two things I think that have been the the biggest uh, downfall of of the um, constitutional republic. Uh, oh, and the, and another thing that we can bring up. I don't know if you want to segue into this or not, or do you have anything else to add, Lucas? No, that, that's that's pretty much sums it up. Okay, so when you come down here you're going to notice that there are several different cultures living side by side one another, and we get along perfectly fine. It's been like that for well over 100 years, and no one's mad about it other than y'all. Okay. I mean, I mean, it, to be quite honest, you know, the black community was thriving until the Yankee wanted to put their nose where it didn't belong and completely tear down these boundaries and make everyone down here the same, not even equal, just the same. Uh, so one of one of my personal beliefs is that the Civil Rights Act was uh, was one of the greatest detriments to Black society, and uh, the reason was was because they could not focus on they did not focus on their own community anymore as much as the community larger. Um, in the South, there is still this this you know cultural divide. We get along friendly. We get along great with one another. But just because we're not forcibly integrating ourselves at our at our cookouts and stuff like that, does not mean we hate other cultures. We're we're not the mean, nasty, uh, hood wearing racist that you see on TV. We're not. We just get we get along just fine. Um, there, there's, well, I mean, that's broke, the, don't fix it. I mean, that's kind of the whole deal, right? You know, we talk about having proper distance between neighbors where families are able to live appropriately without stepping on each other's toes. Um, you know, there's, there's a different cultures have to have a little bit of distance too. And sometimes this takes the form of different communities that, that act very differently. Uh, you know, these communities can even go to the same birthday party, but they just don't want to live next to one another. And we don't need anybody telling us that we got to live amongst one another. Especially if they just got involved five years ago. Yeah. Yeah, we, we, yeah. we've been together for, what, two centuries now? No, longer than yeah. that, since basically the uh, late 1600s. We've been living side by side with a different culture, and we're perfectly content with it. You know, we've we've got our we've got our stuff figured out. You let us handle our business. And, you know, this is this is kind of one of the big areas where I'd have to say, um, you know, you you ought to learn how we handle our business because, you know, different 
different states handle their business differently. Um, you know, you, you got different different subcultures. You got different, um, you know, got different cultures sitting right next to one another. And in the different states, they they found different ways to handle the issue. They found different ways to get along, to live and work and 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 play next to one another without having any kind of conflict. And we don't need anybody coming in, you know, Johnny come lately telling us how to play the game. You know, we've, we've been working at this and figuring it out for a good long time. Just let us handle it. And, and, and if you're going to live in the area, learn how we're handling it and follow suit. Uh, Neil brought this up before we actually started recording this. And um, all the major race riots, the ones where, you know, massive amounts of uh, of black people were murdered by um, either the populace or the police or even themselves. We're not in the South. Uh, there there were a couple, but they were never like the big major ones. Uh, take 2020, for example, when BLM was rioting. You didn't see any of those riots happen in the South. Uh, for a number right. of reasons, I think. You know, one, they're not that dumb. They know that we're packing and we don't put up with bullcrap. Um let me, let me just let me just I'm gonna interject this real quick, guys. In the South, if you'd have gone rioted out there like all these BLM guys were knuckleheads were doing up there in Michigan, the black people would have shot you. Yeah, hundred <laughs> percent. This yeah. ain't got nothing to do. This got nothing to do with white or black or anything else. The black people would have shot you because they don't well, want their, their businesses destroyed. Some idiot uh, from from the BLM movement, not from the South. She actually came, I can't remember her name, she actually came to Gastonia and tried to get uh, all the local black people to protest outside of a, a local ice cream shop. And she was able to amass a small crowd, but it was embarrassingly small compared to uh, compared, compared to the rest of the, you know, the rest of the riots. And the fact that, uh, you know, hearing through the grapevine, through locals who lived up that way, they were like, that was the dumbest thing ever because that's, that's how you get shot and killed. Because everybody, Gastonia is not a, uh, it's not like Charlotte. People believe in guns. All the people in Gastonia believe in guns. I, I think it's because there's not a, a as big a liberal, white liberal contingent in Gastonia as there is in Charlotte. But you don't, you don't want to try to start a riot in Gastonia. You, you're going to get shot and killed. For mm-hmm. That actually brings up a great point, you know. So the <clears throat> NRA was started in New York. Um and the reason the NRA was started in New York is because there wasn't no Southerner that thought, you know what we need? We need something to support gun rights in case somebody, you know, because Southerners just don't think that way. Guns are just part of our way of life. You know, there wasn't a whole lot of gun laws until I, until during Reconstruction because, you know, that's when we got most of our gun laws um, because it just doesn't occur to a Southerner to want to ban a gun. It just doesn't. And why would we fight for gun rights when, you know, we don't see any threat to them, right? Um, so I guess that, that that says is that guns are a part of who we are. And um, I'll break your teeth out if you ever start talking about banning them. And, and that that's well, not me joking around. I'm probably, you know, if I hear anybody talk around me talk about banning guns, I'm probably going to punch them. Well, I mean, you saw, uh, you know, in the 90s and the thousands, you had federal laws being put in place. And that's when the states started developing and and building 
local laws to, to counteract the federal laws. And so, you know, it wasn't the first, but I think it was like the fifth or the sixth. Mississippi was either the fifth or the sixth to pass um, Constitution carry. And, you know, the, the, constitu the Constitution carry basically means you don't need a permit to carry concealed or open. And, you know, it, just just don't go waving it around. You'll be all right. Well, which is the, the protocol anyways, right? Um, very few people in the South are going to get upset if you got a gun on you. And the people who do get mad at you, they're probably from the North. Uh, unironically. Um, yes. Uh, yeah. Probably from the North. But, uh, yeah, what's and it's really odd to me. I know I know one of the reasons so Alabama still doesn't have constitutional carry, and that's because of our sheriffs. Um, they they don't want to miss out on that 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 uh that twenty five dollars guaranteed payment they get every every year, right? But um, yeah, I mean it's 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 just Yankee nonsense to think of ever about banning guns, you know. Um, so so okay so. To, to you know stop wagging the finger at the uh the northerners right now and and actually laud some praises towards them i've i've the mate the majority of the ones that i've known that's moved down here i've met them through my church we've got oh, several families that have came down here um over the past couple of years and they're great people you know they 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 seem to be assimilating very well you know of course our our test um you know my testing pool is kind of skewed because we're in a very conservative reformed baptist church but you know we we went to the range last weekend and that was absolutely fun getting a bunch of northerners out there to shoot guns with us and i loved it i had a great time with them that they, they're they're actually taking the time to learn who we are and they're beginning to, I'm not going to say they'll ever be able to completely think like us, but they're starting to actually understand who we are and that we're not some backwards hillbilly. Um, well, Neil might be, but you know. <laughs> that, that was just perfect. I'm, 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 <laughs> I'm, I'm from the foothills. I'm not from the Appalachians. <laughs> That's where all the hillbillies are. Like J.D. Vance. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, I do want to put this out there, and this is, this is um, yeah, I meant to mention this earlier, but, um, you know, in the South, we like to have a little distance, but uh, there, there are some responsibilities that come with that. Um, and one of them, being on my pet peeve in the state that I live in, is getting ready for the storms that come in every year. Now, I like every other good Southern boy, love to see the, love to have a good chuckle at the Yankees all running to the store because there's a Cat Three coming, coming down the pike, and they ain't stocked up on water or food or anything else, and they're all trying to, you know, flood the supermarket because they just now trying to get ready, you know, the day before it hits. Uh, you know, but you know, word of advice, you might want to get, you might want to have a couple of months of food in your, in your pantry or stored up in, in some dry storage for a little while. Uh, you know, just, just in case something happens, could be anything major, minor, doesn't matter. 
you know, this is something that it's it's not isolated to the South, but the South has South has had to do it just because of the culture we have. You want to be independent, it means you got to stock stock up. You know, you know, think about it like, um, you know, the the Bible tells you to to look at the ant, right? Store up for the you know for the winter. Well, this is kind of one of those things, right? You're you're saving up some food for a rainy day. Now, what everybody, whatever anybody tells you, just don't exactly make you a prepper because you got a couple months of food in your fridge, or or your or in your pantry, right? That's not being a prepper. It's all right to have a couple thousand rounds of ammunition too. You know, probably a couple of guns per person in your home. It's probably a good idea too. Um. You know, these are just things that you do. Uh, be prepared in case something happens. It, it doesn't make you a prepper, but it's a good start to becoming a prepper. And everyone should be a prepper. I'm not saying. Oh, I'm that. not. I'm not throwing shade at prepper, preppers. I'm just saying, like you know, that yeah, it's just it's this whole mentality. You've got these, uh, you know, m- metropolitan police districts. You know, they're telling, they're saying they 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 call this armory. This armory. They got a guy with 500 rounds of nine millimeters, and and he's he's got himself a, a halfway broken down Glock and you know a a little pocket knife and it, that's an armory, guys. That's <laughs> it's, that's an armory, guys. That that's called what I what I lost in my truck. <laughs> no, no, you know, it's anecdote time. No lie, I was cleaning out an old car that I had because um this time I didn't have a truck. All I had was a car. And I was cleaning it out to sell it. And no lie, I found like 600 rounds of loose ammunition in the back seat. And I'm like, I don't even remember buying this. That, that's what I'm saying. Like, it, it's just good <laughs> to have, it's just good to have stuff like that in the home. And I'm not saying be foolish with it. You know, don't, don't be, you, please, whatever you do, don't leave your weapon loaded when you clean it. I got I got to even tell some Southern boys that too because they just dumb as a bucket of rocks, you know. Please, please, please empty the empty the chamber before you clean your weapon. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I just I I just just free advice, man. Just listen to me. All right. <laughs> I've, I've seen people with fingers blowed off before, but you know you just you you you, pre- you prepare a little bit for a rainy day. This is something that we do in the South. Well, well, getting back to that, you know, ideally this podcast is, you know, somebody is going to send you the link to it, whether you're moving into a neighborhood and uh, some Southerner boy, you know, comes up, oh, we want this podcast to be accessible. So get with that old Southern boy. I'm sure he's willing to teach you what you need to know about your area and learn from him. Learn about, you know, the weather changes, you know, whether or not you have a tornado season or a hurricane season. Whether or not you have a bl- well, if you're coming from the north, you probably know what to do during a blizzard. But anyways, um, just just get with them. Sit at the feet at some of these old timers. You know, go go to um go to some local store where some old guys, and just talk to them. Ask them questions about their south. Ask them questions about how they grew up. They'd probably be more than happy to chew your you know to to jaw your ear off. You know, and um. You can learn a lot from people that's been down here all their life. Uh, just don't take that for granted. You know, we're, we're we're probably the most helpingest people on the planet. We're willing to give you our shirt off our back to help you out. But 
don't don't come at us with an with an attitude of arrogance because we don't like that crap. You know, we're, we're still the people that'll stop on the side of the road help you change a tire. But don't get snooty with us, because then we'll leave you there with your freaking. We'll, we'll leave you there with your car jacked up, and we'll take your tire with us. Um, <laughs> Unironically, un- we will. Um, so be humble. Number one, be humble. You're not. This ain't your home. You haven't spent generations building it. We have. Not we have been building it for generations, but our family has been building this area for generations, and it's disrespectful to come in this come into our home with an air of attitude. Um, and I don't want to sound like I'm just sitting here wagging a finger at you because welcome, well, be, welcome are, to the South. These are things that we've had to deal with repeatedly. Yes. You know, we're, and, and you know, the, the, the whole idea is not, you know, it's, it, it's not meaning to be a, a finger wag. It's meant to be, these are the problems that we've got to deal with. Please don't act this way. We want to like you. <laughs> yeah, I mean, unironically, I mean, because we've been taught through, throughout all of public school that we're evil and that we're a bad bunch. You know, we had Yankee teachers come in here and just sit there and tell us how how evil our grandparents were, and we're we're done with that crap. You know, this podcast is Southern Men Reconstructing the South, and we're not going to sit here and tell you know let you tell us how bad we are when you're coming in mucking up our house. No, no. I mean, come, come, what? Welcome here. You know, we're, you know, come over for a barbecue one time. We'll show you what good barbecue is. It's pulled pork, not brisket. Sorry, Texans. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. So let's just each give a closing thoughts, and um, and then we'll go ahead and head out and get it up. Um, you know, being as you know, you're you're probably new to the South. Maybe you visited once or twice. You know, visiting's a little bit different than staying. Um, so you know, the 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 advice that I'm I've been trying to give is, you know, get a lay of the land, get an understanding of the local people. You know, as Travis said, get an idea of what the weather's like. Uh, stock up, be prepared. Uh, don't be scared of guns, cause you know they ain't scared of you. Um. And and just just be a human being. You're 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 a person made in the image of God, and um, you know you should be responsible for yourself and for your family. Uh, you know, do that, and 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 don't be hopping in everybody's business. And I don't think anybody's gonna have a problem with you. In fact, we'll probably love you to death. Neil, <sighs> I like that. Yeah, if you come to the South. Expect expect community. Uh, and if you don't see community, then something's wrong, and it's not that's not natural. Uh, for me specifically, I, with reference to my own neighborhood, this used to be a pretty tight knit community. But as as the city, I live in a very small town. As the town has changed, more people from up north have moved down here, and it's become less and less of a community, and more and more of a of a uh, economic I don't know, a commercial city, I guess you could say. Uh, and that's sad to me. So if you do come here, expect to be part of a community and, and try to make that happen. Get to know your neighbors, get to love your neighbors, pray with your neighbors, ask them where they go to church and uh, and visit, visit with your neighbors. Don't, don't try to, don't be strangers. Don't sit on your, on your couch all day watching Netflix. Uh, get to know these people. We're not that bad. 
want to echo everything y'all said and um obviously you know we've we've mentioned talk to your neighbors sit at the feet of old timers learn learn what makes the south great um listen to our podcast we'll uh we'll get you caught up on all all things southern um feel free to ask questions in a spirit of humility like why we do things a certain way um if you don't try to avoid big box stores uh don't don't go into walmart and don't just buy off amazon go into these local towns these local owned establishments and buy from them uh go visit a farmer's market go talk to these people get some fresh food from that area because it's probably a thousand times better not probably but is a thousand times better than what you're getting from these big gay box stores um you know, support the local economy you come from. Don't be a leech. Don't be a parasite. Uh, take off your shoes before you come in, in the house. The house, I'm saying, the South as a whole. Don't drag mud down here, and don't be offensive to the homeowners. Um, it, it's just not right. And with that, welcome to the South, and we hope you enjoy your stay, and we'll, uh, we hope you assimilate and become more Southern. Amen. Hey y'all, thanks for listening in on our podcast. If you like what you hear, please share and comment wherever you're listening to it. And check out our Gab page at Dixie Polis Podcast. If you want to contact us, please send an email to DixiePolis at ProtonMail.com or send us a message on Gab. If you like the music we're playing, hang out a little while and let the song finish. It's Wayfaring Stranger by Southern Raised, and you can listen to them on YouTube or go to their website at SouthernRaisedBluegrass.com. God bless y'all. Just